I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And boy, I tell you, if you thought the Monsters episode was controversial, wait till you get a load of this episode. What? Something controversial in the Halloween family? No. Did we did we lose any uh, listeners or did anybody block us on social media after the Monsters episode? Uh, I don't think so because we're doing a giveaway now. So they're like, ooh, free stuff. Let's go and follow them. Got to bring them back in. After they hear this episode, we are done for. We're just going to be talking to ourselves, for ourselves. Kind of like that. <laughs> now it's time for the news. All right, I'm going to kick this news segment off here. Uh, so I like horror magazines, and I'm kind of excited about this one. Uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot is relaunching uh, the old magazine Famous Monsters in Filmland. I guess he's got some big news for it or some big plans for it. wants to relaunch the whole brand, bring it into the modern age. I guess when you think about that magazine, it does, you know, the old days when I guess there wasn't as many magazines out. I guess I don't know. Was there many magazines out back then? There was a lot of horror. Well, I don't know about the famous monster era, but I mean, when I think of horror mags, you know, famous monsters, and I think of Gorezone, and I think of Fangoria, um, and I think of others that I can't think of right now. So yeah, there there was quite a few though. So with this, he's trying to relaunch it into a whole brand, not just uh, the magazine thing, but like a whole company with different items under its umbrella. Um, he's talked about toys, making toys which I don't know much about Corey Taylor and Slipknot, but I have seen some videos where he does go toy hunting and toy shopping. So, I mean, it's kind of right up his alley. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if this is him starting to segue into retiring from the music industry. It's kind of been rumored for a while. Slipknot just recently came out with their latest album. I haven't, my, my oldest daughter's listened to it. I haven't listened to it yet, but um, you know, I've heard rumors for the past few years that he has been thinking about you know, segueing away from the band. And then um, he did that movie, uh, Bad Candy. Did you guys see, was that Bad Candy? Did you guys see that? He was a radio DJ and it was almost kind of like an anthology Halloween time story. So yeah, this would be cool. So Slipknot, that's that's like a K-pop band, right? Right. Yeah. They uh, remember a while ago when we covered Trick or Treat and I brought up Baby Metal. Yeah. They opened for the Baby Metal Act. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Nice. <laughs> now we have lost a bunch more subscribers <laughs> especially everybody in iowa just left like we're not listening anymore yeah they're i guess they're from the like iowa city des moines area is i don't i'd have to look but when we were at halloween Palooza, there was a group dressed up as slipknot going around the convention and i gather i don't listen to their music but i gather touring's hard I mean, going all over the world is hard. Just from what I know of them, I would think that the kind of music they play and their show is very, like, physically straining. So as you get older, you want to kind of go away from that. And he's got a pretty big foot in the horror community. I mean, Tom Savini has done several of his masks. I know he's done at least one, but I think he's done several. It's a perfect segue into getting something that's not as physically straining. 
jump into toys, jump into movies, jump into a magazine, you know, jump right in. Jump in the fucking marsh pit. That's one of their songs, I think. <laughs> I uh, So I saw Slipknot for the second time a few years ago. I took uh, my oldest and my middle bonus, and I remember him being on stage. So this was uh, 2019, I think. And I remember him being on stage talking about, he's like, man, this is, he goes, I didn't realize we'd be doing this this long, and this is starting to get physically demanding and stuff. So, you know, this also, I'm curious if he got into this, uh, the famous monsters magazine thing. He does a lot of horror conventions and we talk a lot about how these conventions are great ways for networking. Um, and I, I just wonder if maybe that's how he uh, got involved with this. Talk to someone who knew someone who was involved with it. And this came to be pretty cool. Well, if they need a uh, people that are just as ugly or twice as ugly without masks on for any other movies or stuff, they can call us. We got them covered that way. Speak for yourself. I was going to say, what are you talking about? My beard is beautiful. And so is the rest of you. Aw, you're so sweet. Sweetest day was was a couple days ago. Oh, was it? Damn it. I'll take it. I'll take the compliment. So in uh, in Godzilla news, I know this is right up Clint's alley. Godzilla against <laughs> Mechagodzilla. <laughs> will crash in the U.S. theaters for the first time this November. I was like, oh, Finley loves Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Um, it's the one with King Caesar, and then I was like, ah, oh, read more of it, and it's actually the 2002 Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. But it looks like a, a one day, November 3rd, it's a Thursday. It's one of those Phantom events, so they're doing a one day thing, because that's National Godzilla Day, International Godzilla Day. It's the day that Godzilla premiered in Japan. So I was like, oh, that's cool, but it won't be anywhere around where like I live. It'll be like Chicago and the big cities, I would imagine. Still be cool to see, and anytime Godzilla gets some love, I'm happy with that. I remember I came across the news article that he's referring to, and I shared it, and Brian immediately was like, ooh, can I have this one? And I just said, well, I sure in the hell don't want it. (laughs) I didn't have to fight for it. No, I've only seen, you know, I'm more mainstream, of course, (laughs) so I've only seen like the the, all the newer ones and stuff like that, so I'm not like a big Godzilla fan. I like the character. You know, um, when we did the live recently at Halloween of Palooza, uh, one of the things that Justin Beam said stuck stuck with me, and he said, because uh, we always talk about that, I, we make fun of Brian for you know Godzilla and cryptids and stuff like that, and we make fun of Jason for mainstream. But uh, Justin had said, he said, you know, there's no reason to put films in a box. He said, a good film is a good film, which I happen to agree with. It, it's still fun to make fun of Godzilla and mainstream. So. <laughs> Well, my news has nothing to do with neither mainstream, eh, not really, or Godzilla. Mine is about Svengooly. Okay, so Svengooly has started this campaign, and it's titled The Spawn of Svengooly. And it looks like the plan is to find fans who can be woven into Svengooly's expanded character universe. I don't know if you guys have watched Svengooly recently, but there seems to be more characters and more... um, you know, animated characters that have been brought into the show, which sparked rumors that he was going to be retiring soon because he's been doing this for over 40 years, I think it is. And that's actually one of the reasons I got in a big yank to get that action figure signed at um, Flashback in Chicago in last August. But a couple of days prior to the this day and now that we're recording um, at the New York City Comic Con, they went ahead and launched this. But it looks like here soon it's going to be, the campaign's going to be kicking off on MeTV 
Variety notes that in-person auditions will first be held at the upcoming New York Comic Con. So yeah, this article that I'm reading was actually shared a couple weeks ago, but it's it's still prevalent right now. So Svengoolie's looking for more people to be a part of the show, and maybe it can be you. Are you going to try out for it? No. Um, You've got a lot of personalities. Thank you. I have quite a few. <laughs> most of them are most of them are present here right now as we speak. I think. Oh man. Um, I don't. I don't have time. It sounds like a cool gig, but I'd have to look more into it. And actually, the negative thing about this that scares me is I know recently, like Me TV has been dropped all over the place. Really. Yeah, um, I don't have any anything to cite. I just remember coming across articles the past few weeks that MeTV, you know, it's un- unable to watch here, and this carrier is not, you know, carrying it anymore. So I don't know what's going on with that. But I just get it over the air, so I don't have a cable subscription or anything like that. So I don't know that a Cletus leads himself to a Svengoolie's audience. If you get my drift. Yeah, I think my run would be short lived for sure. Yeah. I was I was excited though because I mean the world needs more horror TV hosts and so just to I mean this is a quote of his in the article from bloodydisgusting.com and it says quote I became an overnight success in about 43 years Rich Cod says he says uh, believe me I'll take it it's been a pretty amazing and flattering uh, to me to see this paraphrasing now because I can't find the exact line but he basically says you know I'm not going to be retiring anytime soon I'm still having fun doing it. And with the success we've had recently, I'd be a fool to retire at this point. Keep it going. Keep it Keep going. making that money. I wonder what something like that would pay for. Like, is MeTV like a big national thing? You know, I don't know enough about MeTV to even comment, but I know that <clears throat> um, here in Michigan, lower mid-Michigan, MeTV, when I used to have Comcast cable, which I, I cut the cord a while back, but MeTV came along with it. It was my understanding that MeTV I could get, if you get like that free TV antenna, you know, like the digital antenna, that it was included in that. So, um, yeah, I believe it's, I don't know if it's national or regional. I, I don't know, but it's its more than just Chicago and Michigan. And the way I understand it is TV stations don't get a lot of money from subscribers anymore. Like Comcast isn't throwing tons of money at me TV, you know, because everybody's subscribing for it. You get your money from sponsors, like commercials. I mean, because Tubi and Pluto are like, running Amazon and Netflix into the ground as far as like money you get for putting your movie on Amazon compared to money you get for putting your money on Pluto or Tubi. You get more from Pluto and Tubi than you do for Amazon because their base is wider. I mean, they're showing more people are downloading a free service and watching commercials than are buying Amazon. It makes me think of that episode of SpongeBob where they did the Squidward's house party. Do you remember that? <laughs> and like the band was playing and everybody was partying at Squidward's and then he's going crazy trying to sleep upstairs. And then at the end, the head of the public, you know, the PBS station or whatever, the public broadcasting station showed up with this little bag of like coins. And he's like, we're rich by public TV standards. This is a lot. <laughs> it's funny. SpongeBob rules. Reminds me of like Wayne's World or something, something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's, I mean, there's probably money in it though, advertising and even appearances for Svengoolie. Maybe he's not, hey, maybe he's laughing it all the way to the bank. Maybe he's making tons. I'm sure he is because as, as he's grown with popularity, and maybe I just notice it more now, but it seems like he makes more appearances than he did. He's at more cons. Um, you see more celebrities, you know, wearing his, his t shirt. 
more people talk about them. We're talking about them right now. Kind of like when we cover a movie on the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast, it's an instant classic. Since we're talking about Svengoolie, he is going to be getting a star on the Walk of Fame. Damn right. The Hollywood Walk of Fame or like just down the street from me walk? I didn't say the Walk of Shame. I said the Walk of Fame. Oh, fame. Okay. I mean, it could be Eight Mile in Michigan, but you know, whatever. It's a star. I don't know how much that's going to pay. I have no good segue, so I was just going to talk about being poor, and I was going to ask Jason if he could tell me why I'm poor. So why am I poor, Jason? Cue the music, Brian. So I got this cool thing right here. The new issue of Fangoria. I know it's nothing I it's something I never really talk about, but I've been a subscriber now for a few years ever since. But I just got my new issue. Has Halloween ends on it. it says the night she came home. I'm loving the cover. Haven't gotten a chance to look at it because I just got it last night in the mail. But that's cool. I know Did you buy two and leave one in the plastic? Nope. And I opened it and I, I bent it a little bit. You've seen you've seen old magazines like that sold resold at conventions right oh yeah i honestly i look through them and i i do i try to be careful i don't like bend it all the way open i try to open it just as much as i can to kind of look at it like especially with the fangoria magazines it's hard with that spine on it because you can't open it very far without like when you try to open it it kind of wants to close back up yep it's like put me back in my bag send me back home i also get uh horror hound magazine which is honestly probably my favorite magazine because, I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked at these much. They go into toys. They go into old movies. They go into collectibles, stuff like that. So here's like my NECA issue that I got. And sadly, look at this this thing. It is beat to shit because while, where Fangoria is a premium type magazine, it's like 20 bucks an issue. So, I mean, that's kind of pricey. It comes in a nice cardboard case. But where Horror Hound just comes in like a little plastic sleeve and mine was all beat to shit. And I was kind of bummed out. So I messaged them and I'm like, hey, I collect these two and this one's all beat to shit. Can I get another one? Crickets. Nothing. They don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, and of course it's a NECA issue, which I think is really freaking cool. But I'm just going to have to deal with the beat up one. And You know, I I ran into that recently and I'm sorry for trampling on your time of this of this segment here. But so I've got um, an original creep show um, graphic novel and I've had it forever. I mean, I can't remember how I've had it for a really long time and I keep it, you know, secured and up and away from everybody. And uh, Boots, you know, she showed some interest. And so I pulled it out and I go here. I was like, you can read it. And then I go, for whatever reason, I opened it and I'm looking at it. And I don't know how to find out. I'm in the middle of trying to research, but I think it's like a first edition, possibly is a first edition, which tells me, okay, that's going to be worth, you know, it's going to have some value. So I looked at her and I said, I said, let me order one online for you in case this is <laughs> worth money. And she got it. She agreed. So I ordered one off Amazon and showed up a few days later, paid like 15 bucks for it, 16 bucks for it. And it was so, I mean, the, the contents all the same. The pictures are all the same. The artworks, it is so cheaply done. It's like like what you're talking about, Jason, with the difference between Fangoria and Whorehound. It's just already, already it came out bent up, creased. And I mean, she's going to read it and have fun, but. I'm not trying to shit on Fangoria. It's a it's a beautiful magazine. It's, it's nicely done, but just the packaging. 
just comes in a little plastic sheet. At least it's covered that way. But yeah, this this issue was beat to shit. And it was the first issue I've really gotten like that. I've gotten some others that are kind of bent a little bit. But this one was pretty beat up. But I used to get my Fangorias and my Gorezones when I was a kid. And I didn't care. I would, you know, cut little pictures of Linnea quickly out <laughs> holding a chainsaw. I had a fridge at the haunted house and I I would, I taped all these old pictures that I had saved, just Jason rising from the grave and Freddie from part three and all these different, you know, so those magazines, even if I had them, you could cut up like a damn paper doll, you know? So the next thing I got, the only other thing I really got to talk about is, uh, it was kind of cool. Brian and I, this past weekend, as we're recording this, uh, we went and saw Joe Bob Briggs in the Capitol theater in Burlington doing his show, um, how redneck saved Hollywood. Great show. He talked for two and a half hours straight, which you would expect Joe Bob to do. <laughs> there was little breaks in between. I'm sure Brian wants to talk about it a little bit more. They had a meet and greet before and after the show, which was really cool. So I remember being at flashback weekend and they had a Joe Bob Briggs, uh, like reaction type figure. And it was kind of pricey. And I'm like, oh, that would be cool. I would love to get one of those and get it signed. And we tr- we were giving Brian shit about it. Like, oh, you should get that. You should get that. He never did. So at his show, they have a merchandise table where they're doing their meet and greet. And they had figures on the table. I was like, oh, I got to get one of those. And of course they charge. You know, they want to charge and get some money for the travel, the appearance, all that stuff. What, what were the figures priced at, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 40 bucks, but it comes with a signature. Oh God, that's great because the one we saw at um at Flashback was sixty five. Exactly. It wasn't in bad shape, but it wasn't mint. And uh that's about the going price I on eBay too, I think. And mine is beautiful. It's unpunched, it's in great condition. And yeah, I gotta go up there and meet them and have them sign it and I felt kind of weird because I know we have talked about I don't like to get my autographs personalized, not because I'm gonna sell them, which I usually don't sell anything. It's just because I don't like them personalized so it was weird they were asking everybody oh what's your name and they were signing a personalized so i had to go up there and have this interaction like oh can you sign it my name's jason but can you just sign your name i don't i don't really like it personalized and then i thought about for a split second going into that whole spiel like i'm not going to sell it or anything <laughs> just all like wanting to justify myself but then i'm like oh whatever they get it so so that was cool they had uh eight by ten pictures that were 30 bucks with a signature so I'm like, for 10 bucks more, I would much rather have this figure. Absolutely. So, and, and it's a nice figure. And then as soon as I got home, I jumped on Amazon and I ordered some more of those uh, cases to protect those figures. So I got lost for a second. Is it personalized or it is personal? It's it's not. It's not personalized. Okay. You, you requested no and they said no. Okay. Yeah. They were personalized. Everybody's figure, everybody's or autographs and I just got up there and I was like, Oh, please, can you just sign it? I don't want it signed. And yeah, they obliged, but Brian and, uh, Jackson and Xavier who all went with us, they got it personalized and they wrote like cool stuff like, Oh, you're awesome. You rock. Like they were wrote little stuff like that. <laughs> then when I requested that they just signed it like nothing else, which is great for me, which I'm super happy. But it like, I was like, Oh, that personalization would have been cool. You know, like you're awesome signed, but uh, it's still weird. I guess it's still kind of personalized, but it was fun. I'm glad to have it. I think I sent you guys a picture of it. I, I, I was pretty proud of it. I wish I was there because I would have snuck over and been like, hey, it'd be really funny if you sign it. Hey, Jason, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then get this. Like right after I get it signed, Justin Beam is standing in the back of the theater. 
So we walk back there because that's where we're all standing like most of the damn night, like after the show is over. And I hand, er, he's like, oh, what's that? And he reaches out and grabs it and puts his thumb right on the signature. Oh. <laughs> and, and he like looks at it and he's like, oh, cool. You know, and I cringed inside. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he handed it back to me and I looked at it and it was perfectly fine. It was dry <laughs> by then, but I gave him, I gave him shit. He felt so bad. He was like, Oh my God, how much was it? I'm going to go get you another one. I'm like, no, I'm like, it's fine. But the fact that he was like, he grabbed it right on the signature. And then a few minutes later, I'm standing there and some other guy comes over. He's like, Oh, what do you got? And he reached his hand out. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> don't touch it. <laughs> Uh, it was fun. It was a good night. You're better than me because I'm sure it w- I know he didn't do it deliberately, but I would have been like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious though. I was busting his balls about it and he, he felt bad for a minute. And then I'm like, I'm kidding. It's, it's, you didn't damage it at all. And I think I made a comment later on in the night and I'm, we we're talking about the autograph. I'm like, yeah, that's a one-on-one Justin Beam thumbprint right there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it was fun. So I love that thing and I'll cherish it forever. Plus we got to hang out with a bunch of friends and it was a great night. Brian, you got some, you, you got some stuff autographed from, uh, from Iowa there, didn't you, Brian? Yeah. I'll save it for last though. So the first thing I got, cause I know Clint loves Godzilla. I got little miss <laughs> a Fangoria. It was when the, um, new Godzilla come out. You know, the new newer ones. And Justin Beam had it in his little box. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to get this for Finley. He's like, just take it. Justin, you can't keep giving shit away for free. Because <laughs> when I was at his drive-in, he gave me a copy of Remind for free. I don't know if I talked about this yet. And look, it's still in the sleeve with a little nice little backer and everything. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Rip it open. No. I, I looked at another one of them because I was like, I'm going to look at the rest of them. And then at... uh. Halloween Apluza. I got a couple movies. The Boogans. I don't know. I just like the front of it. I've never seen it. I may never see it. It's a cool front and back looks cool. Like the synopsis for the movie looked fun. Ticks. Seen that one though. Five. It was five bucks if at Halloween Apluza. And then uh, from Reverend Entertainment, which is Justin Beam's company, I got Finley and I King Kong on Blu-ray. The what's this? The 1978 version. I think it was 1976. 1976 version. And then Deadly Friend, the prequel to Short Circuit. Circuit. It's not really, but it's a killer robot. So I was like, "That's the that's the prequel to Short Circuit, isn't it?" Is the cover lenticular on that, or is it just? It looked like it was kind of changing. No, it just looked it looked kind of weird as you were moving it. Okay, I mean, cool slip covers on them. But so my big thing I got. We did go see Joe Bob and how Rednecks saved Hollywood and Jack and Xavier both loved it. And it was a totally different show than I thought it would be. A lot of history, a lot of history about movies from the South and Rednecks and where Rednecks come from and all kinds of, you know, weird stuff. But uh, just fun. And uh, he talked a lot. But I got my buddy Tad was nice enough. He works at a printing company. He made me it's an 18 by 12. And it's got the cover from the record, the Joe Bob record, with Joe Bob Darcy, Yuki, and John Brennan up at the top. It's got the little mutant family of the last drive-in with Joe Bob Riggs logo. And then it's got my letter that Joe Bob read on the show. So he made one for me and one for Jack. Um, and Darcy signed it up here. It's kind of hard to see where she signed it, but it says, uh, Brian, you're awesome. Love, Darcy. 
And then Joe Bob wrote, Brian, thank you for being part of the last drive-in. Joe Bob. He signed Jack's thanks for being a drive-in kind of guy. And he signed Xavier's the same way. And then uh, Darcy wrote, I can't remember what she signed Jack's and Xavier's, but just kind of cool. I mean, mine was the one that he signed, you know, thanks for being part of the last drive-in. And it was funny. I walk up. And Darcy's right there, and Joe Bob's there, and he's like, hey, what's your name? And I'm like, Brian, and Darcy's like, you know who Brian is, quit messing around. I guess I was told, because um, our buddy Tad put it on, that uh, when they were having dinner together Friday night, they're like, uh, yeah, my buddy Brian's going to be there. And uh, Joe Bob's like, oh yeah, we know that Brian got guy. He sends us letters and writes us all the time. <laughs> Stalker. <laughs> I was like, God, I don't know how to, I don't know how to take that, like. Justin Beam was talking to him about me, too, and they're like, yeah, he, he's really supportive of the show and everything. So I've kind of talked to Tiffany, and I said to her, I said, don't get mad, but if Joe Bob's within a three-hour radius of our home, I'm going to try my damnedest to make that show. I said, whether it's St. Louis or Chicago or Indianapolis or up in Wisconsin or into Iowa, I said, I'm going to try my hardest to make that show. I'll be with you. Did you notice extra security? Nope. And it was cool. I uh, met a couple people that I had talked to on Twitter were like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And talked to some people that I had talked to on Twitter that had seen my tweets and stuff that were going to the show. Jack and Xavier, which is Jack's buddy that comes over and watches Joe Bob with us. So he's kind of our uh, Joe Bob family by default. Um, we did lunch and we went to the record store and we went to the bookstore, went to like the little thrift store um, and then went to the show. And then after the show, we went to dinner with a uh, the photographer, Jeffrey, Justin Beam, Jason Bollinger, me, didn't get home till like 2.30 in the morning. So we were like spent. I was like, well, well, what a great day. You know, just hanging out with the guys and getting to see Joe Bob. Yeah, it was 11.30 at night and they're talking about dinner. And I'm like, my eyes are already burning. I am so tired. I'm like, I'm going home. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I can't hang. He's lame. What about you, Clint? Did you buy anything? Nothing? I got a couple things. You want to hear about them? Yeah. Nah, I'm. Uh, it sounds like I'm being. It sounds like I'm being a, a snide prick. Um, and I'm gonna say like, well, I can't follow up all that. But seriously, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys had a good time. Uh, and it is kind of hard to follow that up. You know, you guys got an experience, and you got to be there and interact with uh, someone that you have a connection to. So that's pretty awesome. So I will go into my humble list that does not include Joe Bob because, like I said, after my experience in Iowa, I am never driving my truck into Iowa ever again. I don't give a shit what the reason's for. I might drive to the edge, like to the county line or the count, the state line, and you guys can pick me up and bring me in. Is that cool? Yeah. You could just drive to my house. I am afraid to fly over Iowa going someplace <laughs> else. I'm going to ask the pilot, can you please reroute around this state? Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm not going to go into a whole long story. Last weekend, as of this recording, we were all at Halloween of Palooza, had an absolute blast, representing the show, representing Ink Mirrors, uh, doing our live podcast, which you've already heard that episode by now. But I got there, my truck broke down, and it was not as simple. You know, I'm eight hours from home, and it was no simple, oh, my truck's broke, I'm going to take it to the garage and get it fixed. Turned into this whole ordeal, this this two-day fiasco. Brian and Jason were fantastic. They run, you know, ran me around town to get this, that, and everything else. And you know something else I thought was cool was... Um, Everybody at the show, and I mean, I, I don't even want to start naming people because I'll wind up forgetting somebody, but everybody at Palooza, whether it was people putting on the show, you know, guests, friends of yours or, or mine now, ours, were coming up to me throughout the weekend. Man, man, I'm sorry. 
sounds like you've had a shit week and you've had a shit day. Is everything going okay? Do you need anything? Is your truck fixed? I thought that was super cool because I know these people, but I don't know these people. That was really cool. So that's where I'm going to start that long babbling story is I spent my trip to Iowa cost me about a thousand dollars outside of just gas and hotel and everything. That hurt my wallet a little bit, which is why I bought for a dollar from Brian this DVD, which is still sealed. I'm going to open this one. It's called Murder Party. I happened to come across this movie on Facebook or something a couple days before Halloween of Palooza, and I think I sent a message to Brian. I was like, oh, look at this. This looks pretty cool. And he goes, yeah, it's a fun movie. You guys had a bunch of, of your collection and, and movies and stuff, doubles that you had set up at the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast table underneath the giant 12-foot Cletus Maximus skeleton. Yeah, it was a buck, so I grabbed it. And he was like, well, you could have just had it. And I said, well, I have it. And I got it for a buck. Murder party. I cannot wait to check this out. Also, while I was at Halloween of Palooza, there was a vendor kind of just down a little ways from us. And um, I've got a couple of these old school Charlie Brown Halloween action figures. And they had a couple more. The set includes, I don't I can't remember. It's a 10, maybe 10 pieces, eight pieces. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different pieces. I just have a couple. And they had um, Snoopy and Woodstock and Snoopy's house. And it was, you know, an inbox toy. And there was like a pumpkin patch and it went along with it. And the lady wanted like 20 bucks. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. But again, I was head spinning from all the crap I dealt with with my vehicle while I was there. So I'm like, "Ah, I'm not going to buy it. I just dropped a grand to be here, you know. And finally, Jason's like, just go over there and tell her 15. And I'm like, no, especially the weekend I'm having, I'll go say 15 and she's going to tell me 35. So I said, you go do it. (laughs) And so I handed him a 20 and uh, yeah. 15 bucks for this cool additional piece to my uh, my Charlie Brown Halloween collection. So got a couple more things. And that is, um, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard me mention Ted from Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium. He was at, last weekend of this recording, he was at the Motor City Comic Con, set up with his business with a bunch of gumball machines. And um, I had given him and Heather, I have two Elvira action figures, a Monstars, and then the NECA one that recently came out and Elvira, Cassandra Peterson was going to be there. I was going to ask, but I didn't want to bother him. And so he's like, hey, he's like, do you need to get anything signed? And I'm like, well, since you asked. And so I, I took them uh, both my Elvira's. They got them signed for me. And then he sent me a picture, some some other toys that were there. He said, do you need anything? And I'm looking and I'm like, ooh. And I pointed out this and I pointed out that. And so I might have some other goodies coming to me from them also. And to bring them up again, and then I have a point. They, uh, I recently made a bunch of decals for them for some machines that they're going to be making. And they came across at Spirit Halloween. There was even more Killer Clowns from Outer Space merchandise. Uh, have you guys seen the the finger puppets? Like they use, uh, I think it was Tiny in the movie, used the finger puppets in the movie to like distract whoever and then pull the trigger on the cotton candy gun. Well, Spirit had the, hold on, I'll go get them. These babies right here. Oh, those are cool. That's very cool. And um, so yeah, it's it's the two finger puppets from the movie. And um, they were at Spirit Halloween a while back, and they sent me a picture of this. and said, do you need this? I said, sure. So they got me this. But here's my point about Ted and Heather from Ted's Custom Marvelous Gumball Emporium is I think I know what they're up to. I think they keep buying stuff like this or saying, hey, do you need anything? Because they know I'm going to plug them on the show. I know what you guys are up to. <laughs> I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I see what's going on. And I've got no problem with it. Okay, so um, moving on. Just the last thing I want to talk about is, so Boots and I went and saw Smile. This was a couple weeks ago. I think, I think we talked about it when we covered the Munsters. 
Boots and myself and my oldest went to see Halloween Ends Saturday night, last Saturday night. We go up to pay for our tickets and there's this stack of like 11 by 17 glossy prints for Smile, this really cool artwork. I think I already shared it with you guys. You guys might have seen it. At the bottom, it says Paramount Limited Release or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, and there's a stack of them. And I just look at the lady and I go, are these up for grabs? And she goes, yeah. And so I grab one, you know, kid in a candy store. And I look at Boots and I'm like, do you want one? And she goes, yeah. And then my oldest, she she didn't want one. But then I wanted to like grab a stack of them because I'm like, these are going to be like, you know, like 20 years from now, like, oh, when Smile came out, these were in the theaters. And I was like, I could sell these if, you know, I'd put them in boxes and sell, and sell them. But the lady was there just staring at me. And I'm like, ah, so I just grabbed two pretty cool stuff, though. Well, if you ask if they're if they're up for grabs, you should have just grabbed the whole stack. <laughs> Walk away. I should have on my way out been like this movie I just saw sucks and grabbed them, <laughs> grabbed them and ran off. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's why I'm poor, and it's really not much of anything other than my truck. Go Iowa. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to, I was hoping you weren't going to bring up your truck, and I was going to be like, hey, Clint, what about all those car parts you just bought? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, like like the battery that I didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a shitty friend to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm used to it, so that's cool. (laughs) I am going to, it's going to be a while before I financially recover from that, though. I don't have any resources to put into the show right now maybe we could take it to a sponsor and, and get some money that'd be cool it's that time of year and we here at the i like it spooky horror podcast want to celebrate halloween by handing out some treats to you thanks to our friends from brian brain studios and shout factory the spooky boys bring you the no tricks just treats giveaway all you have to do is knock on the door of any one of the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast's social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and find the post pinned to the top of the page. Then comment on and share that post to be entered to win three Halloween-themed stickers, three Halloween-themed enamel pins, and a copy of the original 1978 Halloween on 4K. We will pick one winner at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Halloween night and ship the package to you. Just make sure to check your treats for razor blades upon arrival and hurry to enter because... The clock is ticking. It's almost time. So, now it's on to the feature presentation. I'm so excited for this. It was... The movie that we're covering is Halloween Ends. I don't know why I wanted to take that just because that was kind of lame, but you know, that's, that's what it is. That that's our intro and we're going with it. Of course, I have been hyped up for these movies or this movie forever. No, these, these movies, it was two movies in one. You're right. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's been a divisive topic on Facebook, kind of like the Munsters was. But it's it's always, like, extreme. Like, I loved it. I hated it for both of the movies. There's probably a few scragglers in there that are in the middle, but that's, that's what we got with this movie. I watched it the first time. I had no idea what we were going to talk about on this episode. I'm just like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. It sounds like you still don't. You are speechless. Yeah, no, I'm still. 
I'm leaning more towards I like it and I like things, but of course I don't like certain things that happened. Okay, there will be spoilers, but it's kind of like it's the end of an era. Let, let's take it from the top. What did you think about the opening title sequence? The opening title sequence was the same color and the same font, not quite the same visual style of Halloween 3. That was cool. When you saw that, were you like, shit, Clint's going to be right. Michael's going to be a silver shamrock bot or what the hell are they doing? What's going on? I'm honestly not that smart to like realize that's what it was. I was more like, ooh, look at the jack-o'-lanterns. What are they going to do? Because I knew it was going to be something. So I was more focused on those. And that was freaking cool how they did it. Kind of had the jack-o'-lanterns opening up to a different jack-o'-lantern each time. And I didn't even pick up on the font until I started seeing it posted online the next day or a couple of days after did you realize it right away though uh, i did i'm sorry yes bigger halloween fan than i am it was one of the few things that i saw before i saw the movie on because i tried to stay away from facebook and like if it said anything about halloween ends i was like no close it but uh it was one of the few things i saw so i kind of went into it thinking like clint thought oh this is going to be like a halloween three you know the original halloween three instead of what it was and i wonder if they did that to like throw people off oh we're gonna fuck with you right from the beginning because we're gonna fuck with you the whole movie well and see i, re I remember on on the last episode that just aired when we did the live at halloween palooza we were talking about this jason asked um <clears throat> justin beam about uh, a behind the scenes documentary he did called you can't kill the boogeyman i think it was justin i remember started talking i had brought up as a joke saying yeah i a rumor flying around a theory that Michael is going to be a silver shamrock bot. I hope that's true. So I can you know make fun of Jason. And Justin said something about that. The director of this, David, David, something green. I can't remember the guy's middle name, David Gordon green. There you go. Okay. David Gordon green that, uh, that he had mentioned a while back to Justin that he wanted to next focus on Halloween three that he thought that's where the action was. That's where the story was. So I was like, oh, so then, yeah, I see the the blue Halloween ends, you know, and I'm like, oh, am I going to get it in this movie? That's so cool. It's not what I got from this movie. I got something completely unexpected. You know, when you kind of dig around on the internet, I kind of, I feel like it was kind of, it wasn't spoiled, but we knew some stuff that was going to be going on. Like there was a lot of talk of a copycat killer just because of the trailer people analyzing fingers on hands and screenshots and all that stuff. And what's weird in the trailer is I thought the trailers were great, but it literally showed us like pretty much the end of the movie, like that last fight sequence. It showed a lot of it. So, which I mean, when you just see, when you just see the trailer, you don't know that could have been the beginning, middle end, one of many fights in the movie. So, so we get the opening to the movie. Um, Lori's kind of, it's been four years since, uh, evil died tonight so there's been four <laughs> years of tonight's so Lori and her granddaughter have kind of settled down her granddaughter's working at a Haddonfield Memorial Hospital as a nurse Lori's writing a book about Michael and her experiences uh, with the boogeyman and we find out Michael's living in the sewer essentially yeah yeah, yeah by a homeless guy that's kind of like his guard dog a little ways into the movie because actually the the movie opens with Corey. So the the movie opens with an unrelated story. And that is of um, the, the movie opens with Corey and it's 2019. So I think it's the night of Halloween kills, if I'm correct. It was one year later. Was it? It was one year after Halloween 
Kills. Because Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills were were one night. And he's a babysitter for this wealthy family. And um, they have this really tall house with a ton of staircases. Mom and dad take off, go to a costume party on Halloween night. Corey's babysitting this, what, I don't know, seven-year-old boy. The boy ends up kind of being a little jerk. Runs off. Corey can't find him. It winds up being this, you know, uh, inadvertent game of hide and seek. The little boy locks Corey into a closet. Corey kicks his way out of the closet. The door flies into the little boy. The little boy flies down the 37 flights of stairs that this rich family has. <laughs> right as mom and dad walk in, splat, blood all over the place. Dead kid. That that probably, that took you though, didn't it? When that kid fell? It did because, oh, and it was his, the way they, uh, his head like hit and bounced up and like kind of like twisted. It just added that little layer of brutality to it. It wasn't just boom, dead. He's, you know, he's dead. It was like all this extra torquey motion torque motion to it it looked like he went full scorpion too like the way he got bent up and but did you notice what what movie they were watching they were watching john carpenter's the thing but remember the 1978 halloween oh yeah i didn't think about that they were watching the original the thing from outer space or something yeah i thought that uh, yeah i thought that was a fantastic easter egg so i went to the orpheum that night and watched the thing and then i came home and stayed up way too late and watched Halloween ends where they were watching the thing. And you live in Illinois. Do, 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 do. As a, as a fan of Halloween, or even if you're not, you know what I mean? Michael Myers is so ingrained in pop culture. You have to see or hear about or think about this movie. That was a stupid point. Anyway, as a fan, I'm sitting there and I watched that scene and I was, it was a great scene. I loved everything that happened. And I'm like, what the hell is this? What the hell is going on? I did not know. It was very jarring. And then it goes right from there. That's it kind of fast forwards four years later, right? Into what Brian just talked about where Jamie Lee Curtis is writing her memoirs. And we see life in Haddonfield after Halloween Kills. When I think going back, thinking about what happened at the beginning of the movie now, it's the babysitter murders. Good point. It's a babysitter murder. He killed that kid. I mean, it was an accident, but nobody's going (laughs) to believe that. I mean... And I think babysitters everywhere were like, yes, that little fucker got what he deserved. <laughs> like babysitters like rejoiced everywhere. He was a little shit. Oh, yeah. I was like, little fucker. I mean, not that he deserved to die, maybe, but maybe just tumble down a flight of stairs. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just get hurt like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That'll teach you. Nope, they killed his ass. And I love the similarities of Corey Cunningham and Michael Myers. Like the double letters. I don't know if that, I'm sure that was intentional, but it just. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that either. That's another good point. Yeah. We are speaking to a true Halloween fan. That was awesome. Yeah. And maybe that kind of leads into it. Maybe they were trying to pair them together even more. I guess we didn't really see Michael's childhood. The Rob Zombie tried to go into it. Maybe he was more spot on where Michael in the Rob Zombie movie was abused. He was mistreated. And Corey was kind of the same way. Like after this happened, he seemed like he was a good kid. But then the way the whole community turned on him, not knowing it was an accident, but this guy was guilty of manslaughter. I've always been really glad. And I think that was John Carpenter's um, intention from the start with the original 1978 Halloween is that he didn't want you to know the backstory. He didn't want you to know why Michael killed. He said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but he did not want Michael to be relatable on any level because he didn't want you to be familiar with that guy. So it would be, it would, the cell would be easier that he's pure evil. He's not, you didn't feel sympathy for him. 
you know, like in Rob Zombie's Halloween, I actually enjoyed that whole setup, you know, but you almost feel sympathy for young Michael, you know, busted home, abuse, all that stuff. Like, oh, I, I could get why this guy would want to kill everybody and beat beat bullies to death with sticks in the woods, you know, like, go get them. Something I noticed about this movie, though, was the tone of it. It was it had the same tone as Halloween Kills. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain this because I haven't fully figured out how to connect it in my head yet. But everybody is like really hypersensitive edginess. Everybody speaks and acts really kind of, I don't know, it's it's not normal. It didn't, it seemed very forced. And I noticed that in Halloween Kills. I didn't notice it in Halloween 2018. Halloween 2018, everybody kind of seemed like you or I. It was a Halloween night. This is going on, blah, blah, blah. Michael comes back. By the time Halloween Kills comes out, there's this weird mob rule mentality. People are just like swearing to swear and just talking really roughly. And it didn't make any sense. And that kind of carried over into this movie. It was almost like this, they were in a planet of their own. Does that make any sense? No, I get you. I mean, it kind of goes to show what's going on with the world itself. Kind of got somebody who supports hate, even though that's not exactly how it was like in our political government. And then it just kind of carries over to this movie here. They had the boogeyman. They want somebody to blame. They're mad at everybody. Yeah, there there were times there where it looked like Jamie Lee Curtis looked like Laurie Strode. Things were kind of getting back to normal. It had been four years. But then she's still like abruptly accosted by one of the victims outside the grocery store. Like she's happy. She bumps into the cop. Great to see you. I'm cooking dinner tonight. You're the reason that my sister got her throat cut and can't talk now and just yelling at her. And it's all because you're boogeyman. And I'm like, why are they yelling at her? You know, she had nothing to do with it. It was just kind of weird. That was brought up a couple times, how they said that they should have just left him alone. You're the reason this happened, which no, she's not like it's, she just kind of went with what happened. The accusations didn't make sense. It just, that's, I guess, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Some of the dialogue, I guess that's the best way to say what I'm trying to say. Some of the dialogue felt really forced and, and kind of weird. Well, it's kind of like when your truck breaks down in a different state and you blame the state instead of blaming the truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty as charged. No, actually, I didn't blame the state. I blamed Brian. I blamed you. I blamed you because it was it was fine until you showed up and I said, let's go see a movie. You go, sure. I hop in the truck. Nothing. 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 <laughs> uh, a purpose I do think it served, though, back back to Halloween ends, is um, it did set up that Lori and her granddaughter are still outsiders. They're never going to really fit in. And then you have this dual story going on with Corey, who was acquitted because he uh, did not intentionally kill the, the kid in the opening. And so now he's out living in the community. He works at a junkyard and he is the outsider. He's, you know, he's bullied and people are whatever these, he has to stay to himself. He has to stay out of, out of uh, everybody's way because they view him as this child killer. So it kind of set them up as these misfits, these two misfits that wind up together. Corey kind of talks about that later on too. He says how he is seen as like the, the evil person, Lori and, Andy or Allison victims. So they're looked at him a different way, which is kind of true. You know, everybody was kind of picking on Corey and it's kind of sad to see. And that just kind of shows that it twisted him. But that's one thing I didn't like is when, when he sees Michael for the first time, it kind of, he sees the evil in him. So that kind of story arc was kind of weird. It was a little jarring. I wish they would have done. Okay. <clears throat> I wish that by the end of this movie, because of that scene that we would have found out, that Corey actually 
did kill the kid, that it wasn't an accident. Because I've seen some people online, I've you know, it's hard to hide from it, especially after you see the movie. And on social media, they are, um, Michael kills everybody he comes in contact with. Why didn't he kill Corey when he saw him down in the sewer? Well, when Michael grabs him and he's getting ready to choke him out, I mean, he was going to kill him. Corey was down to his last breath. And then you see that flash sequence where it's like Michael's looking into his eyes and you see real, real quick, quick, like insta cut of that happening. And Michael lets him go. And it was almost like Michael, who's supposed to be pure evil, like saw in his eyes that Corey is pure evil. And then it became this like um, this symbolic transfer of, of Michael to Corey. Yeah, I wish we would have found out that Corey actually killed the kid and it wasn't an accident and it would have made some more sense, I think. There might be scenes that we get later on that shows maybe he did kill him because it's kind of weird the way he kicked the door open and he hit the kid. The kid's not going to go flying in the air over the railing. So maybe there's a scene where he kicks the door open, the kid knocks down, and then he grabs the kid and chucks him over the railing. That'd be kind of fun to see, honestly. To me, to me, it would make more sense. To me, it would it would just make it because yeah, I agree with what a lot of people are saying online. Is you know, Michael kills you. So and he uh, and if if he's not focused on you, if you are in his way, he's going to kill you. And in that situation, Corey got jumped dumped off a bridge by some weird ragtag group of non stereotypical high school kids. That was that was weird too. That some of the characters, their physical presence felt forced and put together oddly, and it was just kind of jarring, but. Still, they were four high school kids. They were a complete jerk to Corey. So Jamie Lee Curtis slit their tire or oh, gave Corey a knife because she actually, she actually started all this shit. And then he, uh, <laughs> Corey stabbed their tire. They took off. So they catch up. The kids catch up to him later on that night or a, a couple nights later, throw him over this bridge. He winds up uh, getting dragged into the sewer pipe by Michael Myers. That part was weird too. So I got some questions, Jason. Maybe you can answer these. You've been you've been on par so far. And that is one: Why was Michael living in the sewer for four years? I understand the whole Halloween kills. He's old. He's slow. He got the shit beat out of him. Ran there to hid like a wounded animal. But for four years. Second question is: How did he stay alive that long? Was he eating rats? Or this kind of ties into my third question. There was a bum down there when Corey came out after Michael did not kill him, when Corey came out of the sewer. And the bum's like, why did he let you go? He takes people in there every once in a while and they never come out. So I'm thinking, what, is Michael just like drag innocent victims in there and and eat them? Is that how he's sustaining himself? I don't know. I thought that too. I wondered about him eating people. Um, You know, they talked about him eating a dog in the last, in 78 and the Kills movie. Uh, so maybe he is living on that. Maybe the bum is feeding him. The bum knows who he is, who he's, who's in there. And that was kind of comical to me. They had made a comment that they're like, oh, there's three people missing in Haddonfield right now. But they put the big missing sign right above the sewer where he is. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> literally like missing. It should be like an arrow pointing down like Beetlejuice or something. <laughs> and just like <laughs> They're down here. So who knows? And David Gordon Green was actually asked about that. Like, well, where was he? I think his comment was like, oh, it's it's just a mystery. You know, not everything has to be explained in movies. Like maybe he was leaving the sewer and going places, but always going back there because he knew it was safe there. But he still had the mask on, still had. I wondered how badly he stunk. <laughs> that, would right. be, that would be, yeah. Yeah, I felt like if Corey would have killed the bum, like, before Michael held, got a hold of him, 
or somehow murdered the bum like in just like an evil way where Michael could see him and then Michael let him live would be, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, Clint, there's no reason for him to let him live. Like what's except, except for that sequence where it was almost like he sensed evil in him. But yeah, that, that's the same. That's the same thing as uh Corey. It appeared to be on the surface up until all this happens appeared to be just kind of a kid trying to get his life together. You know what I mean? And, and wanting to fit in, you know, you see, after um, we're jumping around as always, but when Laurie Strode kind of fixes Corey up because something draws her to him, which we find out what it is, she fixes Corey up with her granddaughter and they go out to the bar and you can see that release. He's like, oh, I haven't been around people and I'm you know, having drinks. And there's this beautiful girl that wants my attention and I'm dancing and it's so much fun. And then, of course, the mom of the kid that he supposedly inadvertently killed is there and starts yelling at him. He takes off. That's when he gets dumped off the bridge. But he seems like he's just trying to fit in until that happens with the bum. And he actually, he accidentally kills the bum because the bum pulls the knife on him and starts freaking out saying, I'm Michael Myers, I'm Michael Myers, and goes to stab Corey and Corey wrestles with him. And it looks like an accident where Corey accidentally stabbed the bum. But then it was almost like that's a, that's, he has his taste for blood now. Well, it was kind of, it's like his evolution into evil. Like all the little things that are happening, you know, he killed the kid, probably went to prison, came back. The kids are messing with him. He breaks the bottle, cuts his hand, gets roughed up by the kids. Uh, Then he goes to the bar with Allison. The mom's yelling at him. Then he leaves, gets dumped over the bridge by those kids again. So it's just, I mean, how many times does a button need to be pushed before you kind of snap? That was another thing, going back to my point that I'm still trying to figure out how to articulate about the characters and the dialogue being just this hyper aggressive i don't know this weirdness his mom what the fuck was going on with his mom she was just screaming and hollering at him and hitting him and it was in this weird it didn't even seem like a normal relatable abusive thing that that we as society knew i don't understand the relationship and then it looked like once she tried to kiss him kiss him kiss him and he backed off she's screaming and hollering at him for everything it's like a whole Carrie White situation where the, maybe maybe the mom's just a religious nut and her boy did something bad, so she's trying to keep him on the straight and narrow. And Then they had some a uh, little bit of comic relief. Boyfriend, his mom's boyfriend or stepdad, whoever. I don't think it was his dad who owned the junkyard. He's just sitting there and he's like, don't tell her about the motorcycle. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I was getting like a psycho mom vibe or like a Ed Keen, Ed Gein mom vibe from her. No woman's ever going to be good enough for my boy, you know, and then she'd flip script to being like, you're awful and hit him and then try to love on him. That's what I got, like a whole psycho uh, Ed Gein kind of vibe. Maybe the story is that Corey and Michael are really related to Ed Gein somewhere down the line. You know, Michael got like the cannibal part of the family and then Corey got like the abusive, crazy mother part of the family. So they're like 14th cousins or something like that. Uh, you're really reaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something that would happen in Iowa. <laughs> I mean, so we still have we still have quite a bit more to cover about this movie, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but um I think though that this movie is confusing hang up parts that we're discussing is the direct result of there being four different writers. There were four different writers for this film. Actually, for there being four different writers, I think they actually pulled off a pretty cohesive film. We have questions, but it was entertaining. It didn't have pacing issues besides some hangups about, well, why this and why that? It was actually a really good story. But I mean, typically 
in most productions, I mean, you're going to have your a writer and then that's going to go through a series of other writers before a final draft because of production studios and stuff. But this movie in particular had four writers to start out with, one of them being the director. So you got to think it was hard for them to really agree with and meld all their ideas together into a cohesive story. And I'm sure it probably changed a lot, you know, once they started filming and they were like, oh, okay, that didn't work. Let's, let's film this. Let's do this. And then even in editing, I'm sure the story changed a lot more then. But I mean, it, it's good to have four writers though, instead of just one person's take on it. I mean, it kind of, I'm sure they're all fans of the Halloween, hopefully. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I'm not in the whole writer's world. So here's my take on it. <clears throat> and everybody's got an opinion. We're all assholes just like me. And that is, um, I think that this would have been better or I think less controversial and easier for the, the fans to swallow. The Michael Myers, Lori fight, could think of a better word, right? The confrontation happened at the beginning of the film. And then you had like Corey's encounter with Michael before Michael dies. Because spoiler alert, Michael Myers does die at the end of this film. Undoubtedly. Supposedly. Undoubtedly. Supposedly. Or does he? Maybe <laughs> no. the spirit lives on, but the physical form of Michael Myers is gone. And and then and then you take the, the story of Corey kind of like absorbing that evil and carrying it on. And I think this would have been cool if, if instead of Halloween ends or Halloween part 22 or whatever, it would be like Tales of Haddonfield. You find out that like, you know, Haddonfield is like a thorn, you know, like a gateway to hell or something. And, you know, you, you they kind of talk about that in the movie, like all these bad things that have happened in the town. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I I kind of am with you, Clint, like something where somebody carries on Michael's spirit or whatever you want to call it. We had talked about Jason, like even if like and spoiler, Corey dies, too, in this. He didn't die. Or you don't know if he died. Like maybe the like the paramedics come in at the end and they're like, oh, he's still got a we think we can save this one. And like you just see his hand like fall out from under the, you know, sheet or something as they take him away. So you're not sure if he's dead or I mean, one of the other stories that I was like, how cool would it be if like is it Allison, Lori's granddaughter? Yeah. What if she was so traumatized by all of this? Kind of like how the Friday the 13th did with uh, Tommy Jarvis. What if she carried on some form of like, you know, because, oh, maybe Corey's killed and maybe Lori's killed and maybe Michael. And she's just so traumatized that she snaps and carries on some way, you know. But just because they made Halloween ends, I mean, there's already like 15 stories in this universe. They can just piggyback <laughs> off of Halloween 3 and go from there, you know, like. We can do anything. Multiple timelines. I think that's why I was kind of saying a second ago is I think the title of Halloween Ends was particular to Laurie and Michael Myers. And that part, we got closure. I, I, I feel we got closure. I just, I think that the way they, they wove the rest of the story into it is what has people upset because it wasn't our typical Halloween formula. But with that said, I enjoyed the freaking movie. And this, here's the controversial part. I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was... I thought it, uh, you know, it had some cool jump scares. I thought it was an interesting storyline. I liked, I liked how they pulled everything together. There's things about it I didn't care for. I didn't like how, um, you know, Kylie Richards, who plays Lindsay Wallace, she was extremely underutilized, especially after her big role in Halloween Kills. There was this is a little, a little thing that bugs bugs me, but the redhead who got the promotion 
you know, she was a nurse and worked with, uh, worked with, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter and she got the promotion because she was sleeping with the doctor, you know, her and the doctor go back to his house. They, they had been on a date, you could tell, and they're getting ready to get down. She goes, get in the shower, Michael, or no, I'm sorry, Corey comes in as Michael, I think, and kills the doctor and she hears it and she's calling, she's going, doctor, whatever is Dr. Matheson, Dr. Math. I'm like, you're screwing the guy. You can't call him Steve. You know what I mean? I, that was kind of weird. Maybe that's one of her kinks. Yeah, there you go. She likes to call him, hey, Dr. Love. Yeah, Corey came in with like a mask that he had that worn to a party or something. He was because Michael was there, too, and he killed the redhead with a classic scene. Yeah, we had joked like we can't wait to see the scene where like Corey's driving with Michael like right in his like holding on to him like on the back of the motorcycle. Like how did Michael get there at the same time Corey did? He had to get him right on the motorcycle, right? Where are we going, Michael? <laughs> like <laughs> uh, like turn left, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> They uh, another scene that has a lot of people pissed off is when Corey actually does take Michael's mask from him. He goes back down into the sewer. Corey's got a few kills under him now. You can tell he's feeling ballsy. He goes down and very quickly beats the shit out of Michael and takes his mask. And everybody's like, how is this possible? This is Michael Myers. This is pure evil. He's been killing people for all these years. And he just got punked out like a bitch. And I'm like, okay, let's let's look at this rationally. This guy has been shot, stabbed. He's missing fingers. He's been burnt. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Some woman tried to hit him in the head with an iron in Halloween kills. I mean, so he's, you know, damaged and he's been living in a fucking sewer for four years. He's old as shit. He's missing fingers. Like I say, he doesn't have much strength left. He's on his way out. So of course this, you know, young, hungry serial killer is going to come in and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Corey's in his twenties. Don't hurt me, Jason. (laughs) No, they did show Michael. Like they showed him as a weak man. Like when the cop went down into the sewers, chasing Corey and Michael gets his first kill and they kind of show Michael killing him and seems like he's coming back to life and doing it. And it just kind of reminded me of the whole Halloween kills where Lori has like all her voiceovers and the more he kills, the more he transcends. And so he has to kill and kill. But what happened to the three people that are missing in town? I'm sure Michael probably got him. So I'm sure he's killed since then, but yeah, Corey treats him like a punk, takes his mask and that's, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that part of it. Dealing with some vitamin deficiencies. I don't know how much, uh, <laughs> how many vitamins are in the human body. You know, like if you eat one, you, know, you probably need some calcium and other stuff you're not getting from devouring people. One thing that's undeniable, though, is towards the end of the movie, I really thought that Jamie Lee Curtis was going to kill herself. That scene was fantastic. So she gets into a fight with her granddaughter. Her granddaughter takes off. Jamie Lee Curtis realizes now that Corey is evil and she doesn't want them to be together, but it doesn't matter. She can't do anything about it. The granddaughter takes off. So Jamie Lee Curtis goes to her writing study upstairs, pours herself two fingers and a glass of scotch, pulls out her finished memoir. She's done writing her story. She's looking at it. She pulls out a gun. She grabs the phone, calls the cops and says, I'd like to report a suicide at, you know, whatever her address is hangs up the phone and the camera pans so you can't see all the way into the room because the door is like partially closed and you hear a gunshot and splatter. And I'm like, holy shit, she did just kill herself. (laughs) And I was like, everything else about this movie has been so unexpected. Like I expected that because everything else is so unexpected. 
And then you find out that Corey is in the house, but she doesn't know it's Corey. We think it's Michael Myers. Comes into the room, and she's standing right there with the gun. She goes, you really think after all this I'd fucking kill myself? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> shoots him. She had shot the pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern, and that was the, the splatter noise. As much as she's been like a homemaker the last few years, she's still super aware of what's going on around her. Like, because you would see her looking out the window and seeing people, and she so she was still watching. She was aware. So I, I assume that she knew that Corey was there or somebody was there. Well, she looked out the window one time and saw Corey like standing behind the hedge, like Michael was standing <laughs> behind the hedge. That the was one great. Time. Yeah, it. Uh, she knew Corey was evil. She had even like went to the house that he was staying. He was staying at the house where he had killed that kid, like laying in the same spot. And she kind of planted that seed like, you don't need to be with my granddaughter. At this point, Allison had fallen in love with Corey and was head over heels for him. And, you know, they even got on top of the radio station and talked about running away from Haddonfield. And Allison had had some things happen at work. And he said something along the lines of, I want to burn it down. And Corey says, I'll light the match. It was just crazy to me, like how fast she flipped on Lori. Like after all they'd been through with Halloween, you know, how the, the Halloween in or kills and uh, her mother dying and four years and how fast Allison just like flipped. And I was like, you're insane. He's not like that. I love him. You're trying to take, you know, it was just like what it like. It just happened quick. And, you know, maybe it has to because it's an hour and 50 minute movie. But it was just like, man. These kids are rough in Haddonfield. Like, <laughs> you, you do them wrong a second, and they're flipping on you. Like, you're done. Everybody was. You're talking about them sitting on the roof of the of the, uh, radio, the radio station. You got Willie the Kid there who was playing the cramps, right? It was fucking awesome. But, yeah, he, he comes out. He catches them on the roof, or they had just jumped down from the roof. And just the way he talked to them, again, it was just not a – it wasn't even a normal, hey, kids, what are you doing here? Get the fuck out of here. I'll call the cops, or I'm going to beat your ass. It was just this really weird – I don't know, but what was cool is, is Willie got his and probably one of the coolest kills in the movie. You guys can't see this who's listening, but I have just made a knockoff toy of Willie the Kid and I'm showing them what it looks like right now. And uh, yeah, he gets his face bashed into that freaking the record and the song skipping and his mouth's hanging all open because his bottom jaw's all ripped out. Corey slash Michael Myers. Corey comes up with the scissors and cuts his tongue off and spin on the record. Yeah, that was cool. Did you see who got killed right before him? Clint doesn't know. The, the the cop. No. And the radio station. The receptionist at the radio station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Darcy was the receptionist. Darcy the mayor girl. And, um, and I think she had said that um, her death scene is going to be on a DVD release, like a behind the scenes or something like that. Yeah, the special features. Yeah. So as we're standing there in line to meet Joe, Bob, and Darcy... Xavier's up there getting his stuff done. I'm sitting there and Darcy's there and I'm like, so Darcy, how'd you get killed in ends? Did she tell you? She did. <gasps> she got super excited. She stood up and was explaining everything to me. And then she was saying how she was pissed. It got cut out and it was cool. I'm not going to say it now in case she wasn't supposed to. Yeah, it was. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I know we need to cut that out. Cause I don't want people to be like, Oh, you, <laughs> I hate baiting people like that. And then, oh, that's cool, man. I just figured out a way for us to make some money on this show. So if you want to find out this exclusive news, <laughs> go to our Patreon site. <laughs> for nineteen ninety five. you can find out. Another thing she said is that, I, I will say this part, that they cut out Joe Bob. Joe Bob was a caller to the radio station, and they cut out his phone call. 
I wonder why they did that. I don't know. Did You didn't hear that, Brian, as they were talking about it? No, I didn't hear that. Did you hear Darcy talking about how she was killed? Yeah, yeah, I heard that part, but I didn't, yeah. Now I have to buy the extended uh, Joe Bob Bob edition of the freaking Halloween kills or Halloween ends, yeah. Jeff O'Neill, who runs Midwest Monster Fest here, reached out to me and he asked me if I wanted the posters. Uh, He has two different ones for um, Halloween ends, and I'm like, well, yeah, I do. And I wish I would have got them before I would have gone, and I totally would have had both of them sign it. Like, after I found what you were both, like, kind of in it, sign this, you know? I mean, Darcy was definitely in it, and we'll we'll see the kill later. But yeah, that would have been exciting. I I'm surprised that I'm surprised they took that out, unless it is um, a a gimmick, for lack of a better term, to make some money on the DVD or the you know 4K blue Blu-ray side of things. That would have brought a, a whole different fan, potentially a whole different fan base to see this movie. I'm sure that Darcy being the receptionist and getting killed, and Joe Bob being a caller, didn't do much to push the story. Oh, probably not. No, I can't imagine time wise it would have bogged things down too much. I've noticed a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter are, of course, part of the mutant family and, you know, Joe Bob and Darcy fans. And a lot of them said, even if I didn't like the movie, seeing Darcy as a part of the movie, I appreciate that. And I love the movie now because we didn't know that before we saw it. So it, it brings people in to see people like that, that. So and then we get into like one of the biggest problems with the movie was after you know they killed michael how the hell did they alert the whole town that they're gonna have this (laughs) whole fucking procession with him so i i agree completely i've got that point written down but i want to touch on something i want to touch on something real quick and that is sure um, you do yeah i I do that's what i do here but you're you're gonna like this because you have to agree with me that the final confrontation between Lori and michael was fucking awesome if you if you don't agree with me, that's fine. But I, that whole scene with them in the kitchen, um, you know, Michael comes in, he picks up his mask, he puts it back on, he takes Corey, breaks his fucking neck, like get out of the way, kid, and then they go at it. That could have been the whole movie for me. That is Halloween's Halloween ends. It was. Let me so let me ask you about Corey real quick. Do you think he killed Corey because like he's like fuck you, kid, you roughed me up and took my mask? Or did he just put him out of his misery? Corey was going to die no matter what. He got shot a couple times and stabbed himself in the neck. Kid's most likely going to die. You know, it's so hard to say because I, I don't really get the sense that it was a mercy killing. I think it was more like a fuck you. But but I also, I don't, I've never seen Michael kill out of anger or, you know, he's never been like someone bumped into him when he's walking. He's like, what, you motherfucker? You know what I mean? Like, I, said, I guess I can't justify his death. He had other times to kill Corey, and he didn't. So it just, yeah. No, now, now, now that I'm thinking about it, no, I do think you're right. Because Corey did try to harm him. I mean, Corey beat the shit out of Michael and stole his mask. So I don't I don't think it was a revenge thing. But yeah, it was, you're in my way. It's like, uh, I'm done with you now. Yeah. Or maybe he's back. He's there with Lori. He's feeling better and doesn't need Corey anymore. That scene where, where she had him pent, the fight scene was great. And again, if people want to get mad and say, oh, it's Michael Myers, how can Lori be, you know, how can she fight him like that? Dude, he's, he's old and beat down. You know what I mean? She's got him pinned down back on the on the kitchen counter and both his hands are, are jammed in. Uh, she has knives jammed into his hands so he can't get out. and Or he, he can't get up, sorry. And then out of nowhere, I didn't see it coming. He ripped his right hand up. You know, the knife just shredded his hand and he grabs her neck. But when it finally came down to the actual kill where, where Lori finally does, like she slits his throat, she slits his wrist, 
What I liked about that too is it was uber violent. It was well choreographed. And then it got real intimate. And I thought with everything that these two characters have been through, that intimacy was was a beautiful moment. They had their battle. The battle was intense. Michael had lost. And she was just like, it was. I think I we were talking about it before. And I think I used the word delicate. Like after she slit his throat, he was bleeding out. She's holding his hand. She slowly cuts his wrist like open. And it was. It was just kind of like a, I have one. I'm taking you out now. Yeah, it's time time to put you to rest. Kind of like her memoirs. It's time to put you to rest. Yeah. But no, so back back to what you were saying, and I agree. The whole <laughs> the whole ending after that, in my opinion, was absurd. <laughs> All of a sudden, the town's there. They carry him out like Roman style on top of the crowd and strap him to the top of a car, drive to the junkyard, and force feed him into this uh, you know a grinder where you put junk cars in to, to crash them all up. And uh, wow. Out of nowhere, the one Marshall guy from Halloween Kills shows up. Yep. And they're like, this isn't how you do it. And he's like, oh, tonight it is. <laughs> yes. So as absurd as it was, it does make sense with as much terror as he has brought to this little Midwestern town. I can and and how you say, like, maybe that's why people act and speak the way they do, because everybody's so on fucking edge. It, it was a, it was a closure moment for the community. But it was still weird how it happened, but I could understand it happening in a group setting like that. So my thoughts on his death was they just crucified the Messiah of horror. Evil. <laughs> the They just crucified him. They carried him like Jesus to his freaking tombstone, like to his death and all these people around. And then they put him through the car cruncher i i wish they would have used like an old-fashioned car cruncher that like came down real slow like <laughs> and then you know like because it was just like too it was too quick like she just kind of like pushed him in and he's gone five seconds he's gone you know like i want that little bit of like slow death but that's what i thought of when i'm like they're carrying his ass out like jesus and all these people are coming to see jesus like taken to is he's already dead i mean but you know sent to hell or whatever well you wanted to see michael die like the terminator at the end of the original terminator and his eye gets faded out yeah something slower like something that's not it was too way too fast because i'm like you jason for that they she slits his throat and then his hand in her hand and she slowly you know slices his wrist you know and then they have this procession through the town and they get there and it's like a push and he's gone we would have made fun of it too if laurie would have been like hold on a second let me let me let me send out a tweet real quick <laughs> let me let me let me post on facebook everybody to the town square we got michael Myers. she calls you haul like hey bring a bring a truck so as absurd and and weird as that all was it was kind of cool that the gore watching him get ground up and the way his skull popped and all the yeah that was yeah this movie, this movie delivered on the gore. How many times have we watched a movie and there's a bad guy and the final girl or whoever hits somebody and knocks them down and then they run away? They're like, oh, I killed him. They're done. And how many times have you said, no, keep hitting him, cut his fucking head off, smash him. They did it. <laughs> They're just like, there is no doubt about this. He is gone. And that was hard to see because like when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, Michael Myers is gone. He's reaching for the fucking Kleenex. Tanya, give me a Kleenex. Go fucking around. Say funny. Stop crying. Shut up. 
it was hard. It was like my crazy cousin. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> See what I mean though? If they would have if they would have flipped the order of the movie and had the ending happen at the beginning and then somehow smooth over the Corey tie-in, it could have continued on if they wanted to. But they can't now because they killed Corey. They screwed themselves. People would be picketing if Michael Myers is killed in the first 15 minutes of the fucking movie. <laughs> like it would. Yeah. Uh, I understand what you're saying. And I would watch that movie, but that's a great segue. So I, I saved something. I couldn't find the, the numbers. I, I, I couldn't find what I saved, but anyway, um, everybody's upset because they, you know, Michael's only in this movie for like, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I saw some fact that, um, Michael is actually in Halloween ends more. Yeah, he, has, he has more screen time in Halloween ends than in the 1978 original. Really? I haven't been able to um, find out if that's true or not. It's just some information I came across and I haven't been able to, to cite it yet or anything. But I, if that is true, because a lot of people seemed upset that Michael, you know, wasn't, he didn't have a lot of screen time in ends. If it is true that he had more in ends than in the original, I wonder if it's because it doesn't seem that way because the original, even though you don't see him a lot, he's always there. He's just present. He's what drives that movie. And, and he's not what, what drives ends. He's almost like a subplot. I could see that because he's not in the original Halloween a lot. And he's not in this a lot. And he, I mean, in neither movie, he doesn't need to be. People love the first one and he's not in it for a long time. And of course, he's not in this one. But I feel like he, he was in Halloween Kills a ton and people were like he was in it too much they're just gonna we're to the point where people are gonna pick apart everything that people do and it's never i mean we both we all enjoyed the monsters people hated it and i it's kind of like that old adage if you do something right at a business people are gonna be like oh yeah i had a great experience they're gonna tell one person but if you do something that somebody doesn't like they're gonna be like i had the worst experience ever Ink mares, I'm telling all my cousins and 15 sisters, you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to tell everybody that it was bad. And I feel, I feel like everybody that hates this movie is going online and telling everybody. And then everybody that likes it is like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Who do I do? I don't need to tell anybody. What? Who needs to know? Don't you think it would have been better to use the Firestone Fix-It Garage in Iowa as an example as opposed to Ink Mares? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, but you know, like a lot of people seen Barbarian. How many see? How many people that you know went on Facebook and was like, "I love that movie, Barbarian. Go check it out." I've had like five people, maybe. I had five people in the last fucking five minutes tell me how much they hated Halloween. You know what I mean? Well, you can't compare them, though. No, but you know what I mean. Like it's Halloween. No, th this this movie is even more divided. Like like I said when we opened the show, this is even more controversial than the monsters because it is uh, it, it's more divided than the monsters. Yeah, I think it's going to go on longer. This had a budget of like twenty million, and after opening weekend, it's at uh, right around sixty million, and we're just getting started. And then like we're talking about the Joe Bob and the Darcy thing, so there's things that are going to be brought in in a Blu-ray or a 4K release. Um, so the, the controversy surrounding this film is going to go on for a while. The exclusive Steelbook is up for sale at Best Buy now. Already? Already. You're not wasting any time. Wow. It, it looks cool. I need, I need to grab it. I, I haven't yet, but I will. So I'm, I'm sad, though. Can I tell you guys why I'm sad? Just say, hey, Clint, why are you sad? Hey, Clint, why are you sad? It's Clint. 
Why are you sad? Well, I'll let you know. I am sad because I really wanted this to be more of a Halloween 3 tie-in. As absurd as it was, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I wanted to look at Jason and go, I fucking told you Michael Myers is a silver shamrock robot. I got to live that wish a little vicariously through this fan film that's been being worked on for a while called The Third Channel. And I shared it to you guys. I know Jason watched it. Brian, I don't know if you saw it yet. And they, it's a it's a spoof. But it says the uh, Halloween Ends alternate ending VHS edition. So at the end of the uh, Halloween Ends, of course, Michael gets crushed up. And then Lori is sitting on her porch. And she's talking with the cop. And then they just start showing shots of her house. Kind of like they did at the end of, of the original Halloween. Shots of where Michael, you know, this house across the street and all this stuff. And one of the shots has Michael's mask. Lori has held on to Michael's mask for whatever reason. It's just sitting on her coffee table, which I thought was really weird. So in this spoof alternate ending, you get in, you, know, you see the mask from afar. And then it comes up to a closer shot. And you're looking kind of inside the mask. And it zooms in. And there's this real faint outline of the silver shamrock badge and then it boom cuts to the credits and the credits are all in the halloween 3 style and the music's from halloween 3 did you see this yet brian Mm-mm. no i i haven't watched it yet when we get done recording watch it's like a minute and a half you're gonna love it i'm gonna share it on the socials just because it's it's really cool so that's it we've done it we've discussed halloween ends now how afraid are you guys no. to talk to, to to rate it because we lucked out by not losing anybody off the monsters. Are we going to lose people off this? I don't know. I don't know. You want me to start? No, 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 no. I'm going to start. You go last. Be this. This is your. This is your. Um. This is your movie. This is your. Uh. Franchise. Uh, I'm getting tired. I can't think. This is your franchise. We'll save the best for last. Okay. <laughs> so even though you've heard me talk about a lot of points throughout this discussion about this movie that I didn't care for or I had confusion of. And even though it's only got a 57% audience score with a 39% tomato meter score on Rotten Tomatoes, I enjoyed this film. I enjoyed this film more than I did Halloween Kills. I understand its problems, but even where you have to suspend disbelief and it gets kind of clunky, I think it was a well-written story. I do think it would be better, again, if it was more of a Tales of Haddonfield than if it was expected to Michael Myers, Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween End Showdown. I'm just going to say it. I am going to rate this seven flights of stairs out of ten. That rich family in the beginning had a lot of fucking flights of stairs. <laughs> I'm going I'm going seven out of ten. Um, is this my most favorite Halloween entry in the, in the franchise? No. Um, is it better than Halloween Kills? Absolutely. I'm curious to see what happens next. Please don't stop listening to the show. Brian, what do you got? Well, I'm right there with you, Clan. I, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I stayed up till 1.30 in the fucking morning watching it, and I had to stop a couple times and, you know, let the dogs in and get a drink. I kept going back to it. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to bed and watch the rest tomorrow. And I was like, no, I'm going to watch it all tonight. I just... I would stop and I would be like, okay. And then I'd be like, no, I'm going to finish this tonight. I will watch it again. Halloween kills. I have said for like the last year, oh, I need to watch that again. I haven't. I'm like, <laughs> I need to give it another chance. No, I haven't. But this one, I will. I'll definitely, um, next time Jack's here, or sometime I'm just like, oh, what should I watch? I'll just throw this on again and watch it. So I think I'm going to give it a seven 
Silver Shamrock Michael Myers masks out of 10. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I'll keep singing. Happy, happy Halloween. What? That's what you said, Clint, too, right? Seven? Seven, yeah. Yep. I'm kind of torn on what I want to rate it. I initially thought a seven also. Jackpot. I'm leaning more towards an eight. Just to kind of break it up a little bit. Oh, great. Now we are going to lose listeners. Thank you. <laughs> you know, seven to eight, seven and a half. No, nah, I don't want to do that. We'll just eight. It was good. I was sad Michael died. That was kind of bummed me out. It was a good movie. Like the pacing issue. I know we talked about that. Or the pacing non-issue. I watched it the first time. And then after I watched it, I'm like, oh, it seemed kind of long. It seemed kind of weird. And then I watched it again the next day and I'm like, oh no, no, it was good. It kind of just went on and on and on and it, it was well paced. So yeah, I'm going to give it eight. My favorite kills blow torches to the mouth. Yes. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I love that kill. That was so good. And it was the asshole teenage kid that got it too. Michael went up to him with the gun, knocked his ass out, not out, but just knocked him down. Well, because again, it had that little layer of extra brutality to it where you hear his voice start to scream and then like it kind of went up an octave and then it just blew out in heat. It wasn't just he got blowtorched in the face. He's <laughs> just so see, I just made a mistake there, too. I said, Michael, that was Corey. Because it was Michael in his mask and everything. But no, yeah, it was Corey. You're You're not a true fan. <laughs> I knew what I was saying, but it was he had on a jumpsuit. He had on the mask. That was Michael to me, but I guess it wasn't. So question, if Corey is wearing Michael's mask, do those count in the Halloween universe as kills for Michael? You know how there's always like the kill meters. Nah. Jason has this many. Michael has this many. Freddie has this many. No? Nah. Michael only got three three kills. Okay. So then what was the Halloween that it was the yeah. copycat killer or like the one, you know, where Jamie Lee Curtis killed him at the school? Yeah, that was H2O. A paramedic, yeah. You take those out too, then? I just don't know how people like would count them. It was Michael Myers, but at the end of the movie, Michael put the mask on a paramedic. So it was Michael. We're talking about Halloween. I saw a cool uh, bumper sticker from, I think it's from Slasher Design, and it says, Those are freaking cool. When in Haddonfield, I, I break for Ben Tramer. <laughs> have you seen that? <laughs> yes. I have, I have some of those in my cart. I really need to order that. I yeah. love that one. <laughs> did, did I show you guys the, the knockoff Ben Tramer toy that I saw that I was like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Someone, someone, took, someone just took like an old G.I. Joe figure or something, a little three-inch, and then burn it with a blowtorch. It's almost <laughs> unrecognizable. And then did the backer card, and the picture is the, the cop car running in a bin, and it, it blows up from Halloween 2. I was like, oh, no, nah, someone else. Right, I'm not going to steal the right. No, it's a knockoff toy. Hey, there's a, there's a, I'm glad you said that because there's a couple things here. I, so there's stuff all over social media. People loving this movie, hating this movie, more people hating it. These are just a few snippets that I saved, some pictures I found that are funny. I got three of them here. And this first one is someone said, I like the last two Halloween movies. And this says, seems like I am a minority on that. But David Gordon Green just Ryan murphy the hell out of the trilogy. Ends is hot garbage. I thought that was funny when he said he Ryan Murphy ends, you know, just the story, you know, like Ryan Murphy, 
American horror story, just where all these like kind of weird twists and stories. I thought that was worth mentioning. And then there's uh one here where it's a picture of four people fighting and one person is labeled Rob Zombie Halloween fans. One person is labeled Halloween three fans. One another person is uh, Halloween ends fans. And the other person is Halloween ends haters. And they're all fighting. But after the corner, there's this old guy sitting at a table, looking at his phone, not even paying attention. And he's labeled Friday the 13th franchise fans. <laughs> like whatever. We don't even, we don't even give a shit. But the, the very last one I wanted to share was on Michael Myers fan page on Facebook. Apparently Stephen King said, I enjoyed Halloween ends. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it's <gasps> gasp surprisingly character driven from the man himself. Well, that's one of the things that we didn't talk about is a lot of the Christine references in the movie junkyard. And a lot of that other stuff was a Christine references in the movie. You have to watch it again and see if you can pick them out. There's some Easter eggs. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't, I didn't get any connection there, but I didn't hate this movie enough to where I will watch it again, especially to see the Joe Bob Darcy thing. That'll probably push it up to an eight for me. I mean, if not a nine. <laughs> so now that we've rated the movie, we have a question and it's just for Jason. We'll ask Jason first and uh, then I know the answer. So we can ask Clint if he, if Jason doesn't know the answer. So our friend, uh, Sarah out in the Baltimore area said, you should pop quiz Jason and say, if you're such a big Halloween fan, which film in the franchise is divine in no cheating. I mean Divine from the John Waters films. He's typing. <laughs> no, that, that's me. That's me because who? That's Clint. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm legit. Any ideas? Hold on. She was dressed up as Divine, or yeah. All right. I'm gonna guess part six. You guessed correctly. Oh, okay. Like they had the whole party with like the DJ coming to town or the VJ. And... So I guess there's a part in the movie where someone is at their fridge. There's a picture of Divine. Oh. Uh, or maybe it's a bulletin board. And there's a picture of Divine on the bulletin board. Sarah sent me a picture of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. I, to I totally got lucky. I was thinking she was just somebody in like the crowd where Barry Sims comes to town or. It. Yep, I'm I'm the Halloween pro, and another reason why Part Six is the best entry in the series. Oh, for fuck's sakes! Ooh, the look <laughs> on Jason's face. <laughs> Jason just turned into Corey slash Michael, and he's going to be upstairs when I get off here. <laughs> I don't even know what Part Six is about. It's got um, it's the one with uh, um, Ant Man. What the fuck's his name? Paul or Paul Rudd? That was something else. That was something else. Funny is uh. I saw Justin Beam and he did a post or something. And I, I got the impression he was watching the movie and watching Halloween ends. And all of a sudden he's like, someone quick call Paul Rudden to come in and fix this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Jason guessed right. Woo. Woo. You're a winner. And you know who else is a winner? Our podcast network, the PFPN. So let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. 
The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, we can find out what we're up to. What do you got, Jason? Anything? So I've got nothing going on. <laughs> like Halloween, Halloween's coming. Um, I officially took Halloween day off of work just because I filled out the slip at work and I felt silly writing down the reason why I wanted it off. <laughs> I oh, don't put, feel silly at all. I wanted to put Halloween. Like my boss knows. She knows. She asked me today. She was like, oh. You're in the prime of your season, aren't you? I'm like, yep. I have never worked. I have never worked a Halloween in my life except for one. And it was, I felt terrible that whole day. But no matter where I've worked, I've said, I'm not working that day. Why not? And I just say, it's Halloween. I'm not going to be here. You should have wrote on the slip. Do you even need to ask? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm excited to finish uh, putting some stuff out in my yard, get ready for the trick-or-treaters. Um, that's always fun. I'll probably go check out some Rocky Horror Picture Show. Our friends at Death Stitch, um, Jason Whitmarsh, is putting on a 12 hours of terror. Is that what it's called? 12 hours of terror, I think, where he's going to have, uh, I think, six movies going down at the Roz Talks in Rock Island. I might go down and check that out. Just enjoying the spooky season. I don't have any big plans to go do anything unless you guys remember and I don't. <laughs> but yeah, nothing else. What about you guys? This episode drops on a... Uh... October 28th, so I'm going to try my hardest to make it over to the Capitol Theater in Burlington, Iowa for Rocky Horror Picture Show. And uh, the Spooky Boys from I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast are sponsoring that show. So thanks to the Capitol for letting us sponsor and all the shout outs you've been giving us, uh, tags and all the posts. That's awesome. Love the Capitol. Tad's uh, becoming a really good friend. And so let's see. Speaking of the Capitol, Tad's birthday is coming up. That's November 11th. So I will be at the Capitol again for that. Um, that's always a fun night. He kind of brings everybody in the theater, gets food, and shows two movies of his choosing that are usually batshit crazy. You don't know what they are. You just kind of go and you get what you get. He should show the monsters and Halloween ends back to back. <laughs> yes. And those two movies have nothing on what he is going to show. Last year was Mystics in Bali and The Boxer's Omen. Uh, the year before that was a uh, House and Friday the 13th Part 6. It was a Friday the 13th was when he had his party. But he's shown stuff like the Greasy Strangler and, you know, just, just crazy stuff. Rocky Horror again on October 29th uh, with our friends from the Orpheum. I'm going to be there as one of the judges of the costume contest. So they were nice enough to comp me a ticket, invite me back down, and just have a good night and watch some people and watch some Rocky Horror. I think the only other thing is October 5th, our friends at uh, Cracktastic Plastic. November 5th? Yeah, November 5th. Cracktastic Plastic show toy show at uh, the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa and I like it spooky horror podcast has a table be taking some toys and some magnets and uh, pimping the show and hanging with friends and got some ink mayor stuff that I'm gonna be selling for Clint he gave me some toys and some awesome stooge items and the Halloween items and whatever he has left after Scarefest in Kentucky and he'll tell you more about that what do you got Clint I think that's everything I got Hope my family doesn't disown me by then. They might, but I don't know. I'll have to go live in the basement if they'll let me. 
I already forgot I got some of that stuff too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Dad's birthday, but yeah. Yeah, we're just gonna start having me tell you guys what I have, yeah. and then Jason is like, "Oh yeah, I got that too." Same. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jason, I'm gonna make you a shirt that says "Ditto." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, I don't have a whole lot going on. By the time this episode airs, I'll be done with Scarefest. Hopefully I have some cool stories to tell. I do have one convention lined up after that, but I honestly don't think I'm going to make it. There's just a lot of, uh, nothing bad, but just a lot of family stuff going on right now. Promotion for Melissa, and I got, I'm got i settling into peak season at UPS. So pretty much November through December, I work, 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 and then I do some more work, and then I, I think about sleeping. So yeah, I don't got a whole lot going on, but by the time this episode airs, there is still a couple days, if you're hearing this right now, and it's not Halloween yet, to get into the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, true, what is it? It's Treats, Not Tricks giveaway. And we are giving away uh, three stickers and three enamel pens from Brian Brain Studios, our friends over there. And then Jason has put forth from Shout Factory a Halloween 1978 4K release. All you have to do is go to our social media. You can go to like Facebook. It's probably the best place to do it, but go to there or Twitter or uh, Instagram. Um, I'm not sure how they would do it on the YouTube channel, but all you have to do is comment on and share the post for uh, a, you know to be entered for a chance to win this. Gather around the TV or gather around your computers around nine on Halloween night, and we will announce the winner of that cool, cool stuff from the I Like It Spooky Horror podcast. Yeah, and that uh, should be pinned on our Twitter page and our Instagram page. I'm not sure how to, I think Clint, you pinned it to the. It's pinned on the Facebook page. Yeah. You just go to, I like it. Spooky horror podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and just like, and comment or uh, comment and share. And you'll be entered into the drawing and some awesome stuff. You can like too, but the comment and the share are the important parts. And if, I mean, no one does cool because I'll keep the stickers and the enamel pins. No, I think there's already, I put it on Twitter today and there's already been several people that are like, I love the stickers and the pins and the movies, a nice bonus. But yeah, the, the stickers and the pins are getting a lot of love. Yeah, they were all fake accounts that I made up. Oh, were they? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's right. It got us more followers on Twitter. <laughs> they're all fake accounts but yeah cool yeah, that's right that's most of twitter how do you think i got six thousand followers clint oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny uh, so now that we know what we're up to we've talked about the most controversial movie of october did the monsters come out in october hell i don't even remember uh it was uh, the end of september i think yeah See, we can't even tell what time it is. You asked that, and I didn't know the answer, and all that popped in my head was the Hungary and the Budapest thing. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Depending on what timeline of Halloween you're in, the Munsters may have came out this month, and it may not have, and it may not have come out at all. They may be Silver Shamrock movies. I don't know. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?